Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Really James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. Hot on the heels of the massive success of Skyfall, Daniel Craig eventually returned as Bond. Also coming back were director Sam Mendes, and after many, many years' absence, Blofeld in Spectre. You had no authority. None. Mexico City. What were you doing there? I was taking some overdue holiday. So what's going on, James? They say you're finished. What do you think? I think you're just getting started. Magnificent, isn't she? Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds. A few little tricks up her sleeve. Do one more thing for me. What do you have in mind? Make me disappear. Tell me where he is. He's everywhere. You should go there. You're crossing over to a place where there is no mercy. You're protecting someone. Get away from me! Why should I trust you? Because right now, I'm your best chance of staying alive. organization. Do you know what it's called? Its name is Spectre. And do you know who links them all? Me. Welcome, James. You came across me so many times, yet you never saw me. What took you so long?
really what you want? Living in the shadows, hunting, being hunted, always alone. I don't stop to think about it. It was me, James. The author of all your pain. Hey, Sam, I'm just milling about waiting to leave for Spectre in a little while. This is kind of bittersweet because I'm actually really glad <laughs> to, to not have to go to the cinema every week. As much as I've enjoyed the experience of doing this, I've kind of just realised that, you know, I'm spending, you know, kind of 50-ish pounds a month, give or take, you know, at the cinema, uh, just for the, just for these Bond uh, releases, so this could help my bank account just a little bit, but no, it has been worth it on the whole. I'm saying this now because it's very, very unlikely that I will get to see No Time to Die at the cinema next week, uh, because I'm in London all weekend for Bond events. Bond at the BFI, a couple of uh, documentaries and talks, plus the Royal Albert Hall um, events that's going on. So it's it's going to be jam-packed and it's going to be exciting. But yeah, it just means that I'm not going to be able to see No Time to Die, which is a shame because I kind of did want to see every single one. But 24 out of 25 is not uh, something to be sniffed at. Spectre was the last one. Yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, it was going to be... Yeah, it was going to be this one, No Time to Die anyway. So no, so Spectre um, is one that I don't hate as much as a lot of other people. I think it has a good element of, you know, classic Bond in there. Like, I feel like it's trying to get into that lane. The issue that many people, you know, have with it is that it's, like, too little too late. You know, Casino Royale and Quantum are, are very much, we're not doing that. We're not utilizing all the tropes and skyfall kind of somewhat does that by you know introducing all the characters using some gadgetry but you know very minimal on the whole um it's still minimal here um in the craig era way however it's just some things like more quips you know having some form of you know other base that could look like an evil lair but then that's not even utilized very much um, you have, you know, the actual Spectre organisation, you have a henchman that's actually defined a little bit more, you know, you get something like, you know, snow, which I know is just not, <laughs> is not a, a natural thing, but it's just, you know, it's always one of those things where it's, you know, Bond skiing or doing something, having some form of action sequence in a snowy setting, and we haven't had that since 1999. So 16 years, so it, it is quite a while. So there's these elements that are brought back. There's the humour as well, which is is not ramped up, but it's definitely a little bit more heightened than it has been and, and probably less. It's Well, it's more in your face, really. It's less subtle than it has been, uh, we'll put it that way. And for, for many, that's not what Craig's Bond is about which i can which i can understand i saw this film with my flatmates at the time nick so yeah 2015 yeah so i was in my final year of uni was living with two guys went one of them went with one of them to the cinema to see spectre thought it was okay i never thought it was amazing however i i was i was happy with what they did but again there was nothing that really kind of made me go oh this is this is a, an excellent bond film or oh, this is an excellent film 
it just kind of felt like like Quantum to Casino, except from Spectre, to me, was just kind of a more solid film. But it just doesn't do much. And I think what some of the things that it does do are, are very um, kind of meh. It's, it's just not too exciting. And that's the shame, because the elements are there. And I think had they planned things a little bit more, then things could have gone smoother but because because you're just getting those like i said before different elements coming in like coming back into interweave with the era that has been defined for you know three films over you know six years you're you're now it's now nine years since casino royale and and things are changing and then new elements are being brought in when really this should have been more quantum references here it's 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 all about Spectre and I understand them utilizing Spectre. And I actually think it's a good idea to kind of go, oh, they actually were there. You you found out about Quantum, but Quantum were pretty much a subsidiary of, of Spectre. Like there was many, there could have been a few organizations like that which lead into Spectre. And that was that was my whole thing, but I don't think that's properly shown off. And I think they could have they could have referenced that more. Uh, just to kind of make it seem like it was planned even though it definitely was not but yeah i mean i was more hyped for the film be before going in i think because skyfall had been great and spectre was used he was using the organization we knew blofeld was going to be in this um the honor majesty's theme was used in one of the trailers and to hear that being properly used for a bond promotion was insane because i mean 2015 i was I was well on the on Majesty's hype train. I had <laughs> I'd seen it nine years before, and it had it was becoming my number one. And it, I think at this point it was my number one. So to hear that and to just know what could be was more exciting than what eventually happened. <laughs> so it's one of those things where maybe the hype was too much, but I don't think so because I think this film is just meh, and that's that's. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree, although a lot of people go, oh, it's just not good. I'll probably talk more about what I like and what I don't like about it later on after I've seen it again. Again, final time I'll say this, last time I saw it was just before No Time to Die, so days before No Time to Die, saw it. Again, I'm hoping, like, um, with, you know, Skyfall, with Quantum, actually with all the Craig films, that by seeing this now after No Time to Die, I may have a different perspective or just may notice some things. I'm hoping that's the case because, I mean, Spectre and No Time to Die are quite are linked in various ways. So I'm hoping that I can, you know, note some things. But no, it should be interesting. Um, like I said, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit gutted that this is ending. It's been a wonderful few months to kind of see all these films again in a different way. Um, of course, the Craig films for, for me, um, I'd seen all before, so it's fine, but... Yeah, no, it's been so much fun to uh, watch these um, and then hear other people's thoughts about them um, as they watch them either for the first time or once again after so many years at the cinema. So, yeah, this is the last one for me, but um, I will watch the film, give my thoughts, and then, yeah, it's it's a goodbye to the rewatches on the big screen. So I hope everyone enjoys Spectre as much as they can, whether, whether they like it, whether they don't. We, won't, we don't have this opportunity very often with Bond films, so let's let's just try and enjoy it if we can. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I'm sure we'll all get something out of it anyway.
Hey everybody, this is Dom once again, giving my thoughts on Spectre. I have bashed Daniel Craig in my reviews lately, so instead of giving this film a good going over, I'm going to praise it in areas where I think that it has done well. However, this list is not very long. So, the beginning of the film, the gun barrel, of course, which you haven't seen, it's been absent from the Craig era. It's fantastic to see the gun barrel back, so pleased, because this is the way to kick off a Bond film. Oh yes. But, that stupid writing, the dead are alive, oh dear. Don't like that at all. But, the first camera with the Day of the Dead Festival in Mexico, and all that one take camera stuff, is fantastic. I don't know how they did it. But I absolutely love that scene shot. It is fantastic, brilliant. So, anyway, Craig into the hotel room. I'm not sure, because he's going to get ready to do it with the girl. And then all of a sudden, he's going out to do the mission. His suit is far too tight here. I know it was computer-generated, because he had a cast on his leg at the time or something or other. He looks cool here, but the suit is a bit tight. But anyway, when he shoots the guy or blows up the building and then chases after the target, Skiara, I do enjoy this pre-title sequence. It's not one of the best ones, but I love the, well, not the colour, because everything's yellow in this film for some reason, but just the way these films look now is just fantastic, and the amount of extras they had here, we're in Mexico, they're the dead... It's just a brilliant scene, well executed. Chasing Scar into the square, the helicopter comes, and I know they weren't all extras there. Some of them were like made to be there. And then the helicopter going up and having a fight in there. It's a bit like for your eyes only with the helicopter fighting each other up in the air and then getting the ring and then killing the pilot and going off. It's a nice way to start a Bond film. However, Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith is a terrible song. I really, really hate it. It's not one of my favourites. In fact, every time I've watched Spectre at home, I normally just skip it because I can't listen to it at all. It just, my ears do not agree with that sound. But the opening credits, the effects once again, uh, well, as they've always been with the Craig era, fantastic as well. They look so modern and crisp now. So, of course, we learn that Bond was in Mexico taking some holiday. However, he was actually on a revenge mission for M, posthumous Judy Dench M, who tells him to go to Mexico to kill this Scara guy and basically saves the day from a stadium being blown up. M wants to know, Mallory wants to know why he is where was in Mexico. He's not going to tell him why and he basically grounds him. So here we go again. Bond going rogue, pretty much. I don't like the introduction of C here. I can't remember what he's actually called, but to be honest, you know, this character, it's like, oh, spies are useless now. We'll get drones to do all our work now. And basically trying to make the double O agent service redundant. You know, one of these busybody characters that seems to be in these films. Not a big fan of C. Anyway, M has grounded Bond, so he can't leave the country or anything. So he goes to Q's new base, which I'm not a huge fan of, with Tanner in the boat. The scene here is quite good with Bond trying to express a way of getting the tag not to work in time so he can 
power on this mission secretly is quite funny to be honest somebody made a good point in one of the previous episodes reviews podcasts about bond going to these places and not interacting with any of the people there this is a good case in point when he goes to rome he doesn't interact with anybody apart from the fabulous character monica bellucci no idea what her name is i've forgotten sorry but she is criminally underused here she should have been blofeld or a different carnation or something or a bad guy a bad woman basically she's so underused here it's such a criminal shame that she's only in it for two minutes or so this film is full of previous hark back to bond films of old full of them even more than dawn of the day to be honest and this is no different when bond goes to the big room where blofeld is doing his big meetings once again it's fantastic it should be better than it is unfortunately but it's nice that we get this of old the car chase involving 2015's version of jaws aka mr hinks is not the most exciting car chase bond on the phone with money penny sees the the guy blofeld he doesn't know he's blofeld yet gets him gets her to do a check on him as she's being watched by c of course and after the car chase scene they have the scene where they're all voting to have this new technology in all the countries which is a little bit boring to be honest it's not the best and then he gets a phone call m gets a phone call where is bond he's in his home in chelsea of course he m's covering for him lying bond goes off to austria for some reason now i don't know why he goes oh i think it's from money penny telling him on the phone uh he sees mr white of course in his place he's been radioactively poisoned with whatever it is because he disobeyed blofeld it's nice that we get mr white back here but it's a shame that he's a weak character now and not the strong character that he was in the first two craig films he should have been blowfield really to be honest as well as monica bellucci make your minds up about that the stuff in the clinic with madeline swan is a bit slow the plane chase is really slow as well i can't stand it the tangier stuff going to the hotel and then bond knocking the wall down that's probably where it gets more interesting and c shutting down the mi6 operation bond going alone to the base with madeline on the train and there's no help from the outside this is probably the more interesting scene of spectre to be honest like madeline she doesn't like to shoot guns and basically she shuts up and just does it without saying a thing because of her previous experience of a gun which we will see in the next film the dinner scene on the train is a pretty good scene bond and madeline are starting to get flirty with each other for some reason i don't know where this instant attraction comes from as basically before it's like they hate each other but they anyway they're carrying on and all of a sudden mr hinks comes and we get the spy who loved me vibes here with the train fight and basically this is where bond struggles to beat off mr hinks he's very strong much stronger than bond and we even hear his groans we never really hear this before from craig it's like he really is fucked here basically but somehow madeline comes she helps bond and then we get the thing where the barrels all fall outside of the train along with hinks it should be a thing where he comes back but obviously that's not possible now although i'm sure he probably has his neck pulled out of his head or whatever so he's probably not any alive 
Money Penny and Tanner are bothering M while he's having his dinner in rainy London someplace in a posh restaurant. But M says that they can't help him because C will be watching whatever they do. So basically, they're on their own. So anyway, they arrive at this train station and this old Rolls Royce comes to pick them up and take them to this place. They have no idea where they're going. They're quite scared, but they know they must do this to finish off the mission. We arrive at Blofeld's call centre in the... Moroccan desert which to be honest is so far-fetched and hard to believe how they would even be able to do all of this to be honest I lose pretty much interest here it's quite slow to be honest and I know it's quite it's supposed to be humorful when Blofeld says touch the meteor you can touch it if you want but I'm not sure about this Blofeld at all he's definitely the worst Blofeld in my opinion Charles Gray is better than this Blofeld Christoph Waltz I know he was brilliant in Inglorious Bastards but to be honest Waltz here it wasn't written right for him they could have made him a lot better and it's such a shame just getting the rights back for Spectre they should have been big they should have done so much more with it in the From Russia With Love game from 2000 Sean Connery they even used they said it was Octopus I know because they couldn't use Spectre, but just getting the rights back. They should have just done so much better. Oh my goodness. Blofeld plays the shooting scene of a late father and Bond shouts at Blofeld to turn it off. I don't know why he shouts like this. He should have just said, don't look, Madeline. Don't look, it's all right. So yeah, anyway, he's knocked out and then he's put in the chair with the white cat. I don't like the scene where he's being drilled into the sides of his head. It's really silly. And then we have the exploding watch. I thought they didn't have exploding things anymore. They didn't go in for them, as Q said in Skyfall. So anyway, the watch explodes. Madeline declares her love for Bomb, which I don't buy at all, to be honest. It's just not very good. Then we have the huge explosion, which I think was the biggest explosion filmed. But to be honest, he gets out so easily that he shouldn't be able to do that. How can there not be enough guards to stop him from leaving there? He should have been killed there. Then it's back to London, and to be honest, filming, finishing the film in London, it should be great, it should be a British thing, but to be honest, the last film was in London, I feel they were trying to outdo Skyfall, and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, they go back to the MI6, and Bond's running around, and all these things are good, like targets are set up at the bottom, pictures of people from his past. It's quite good, but... The way that it's done with Blofeld leaving like that and Bond having the choice of leaving or saving Madeleine, it should have been a lot better than it was. He finds it way easily with the helicopter watching over the MI6 building, waiting for it to explode, and then Bond just shooting down the helicopter with his PPK is far too easy. And Blofeld should never say finish the job, he should be pleading for his life. That's not who Blofeld is. He's a much more powerful man. He's pleading for his life on the side of the helicopter and says he'll buy Bond a delicatessen for goodness sake. So yeah, then Blofeld's under house arrest. Of course, his bionic eye in the next film, it's very stupid. But there we go. So that's Spectre. Oh, and he drives off into the distance. So you couldn't have done that in the next film. But that's my thoughts on Spectre, to be honest. It's quite far down my rankings. I must admit, though, the last time I did watch this film, it did seem better than it was it took me a couple of years to sort of think actually it's not as bad but to be honest it's definitely not one of my favorites and not one that i visit i don't know why they had to call it specter they could have just sort of called it something else i think they were just so proud that they got the rights of specter back that they could call it that to be honest 
I don't like the way everything's yellow. They should have just kept it a normal filter. I know some guy, I think his name's Tom Mason or something on Twitter. He's done clips where it's not yellow and it looks brilliant. If they'd done that, it probably would have been a lot better to watch. I don't like the score. Newman, once again, he's just copied Skyfall's soundtrack and it doesn't really work as well. He should have just created something new. Craig's performance here, I feel it's much better than his first three, to be honest. He's starting to get into the role a lot more, even though it's not the best one. Ralph Fiennes as Mallory, I feel like he does a lot better. He's a bit angry at the start, but at the end when he says, and that's what C stands for, that's quite funny, to be honest. So he's trying to protest against C. I don't like C at all. I know he's written that way. But, you know, you have to have a pantomime villain in these things, don't you? You can't just like Christoph Waltz because he's not doesn't do enough to be hated, let's just say. So C is probably the one that does it for this one. Moneypenny, Tanner, they're pretty good. Q's a lot better in this one when he goes out to Austria, even though he can't fly. Escaping from the guy in the cable car. Madeleine, you know, I just don't buy the way she comes into this film. She's a lot better in the next one. Dave Bautista's Jaws, sorry, Mr. Hinks, is a good character. He's silent, minute, but still big and strong and could basically squash anyone with his little fingers or pinch people's eyes out. Then there's Bellucci. She's just far too underused. It's such a shame. She's a fantastic actress. I don't know why they had to cast her and use her for a one scene. I feel like, obviously, the success of Skyfall, they wanted to just build on it, but to be honest, it hasn't worked, and... Three years afterwards, it's quite a long time. They should have built it up a lot more than they did. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Hopefully somebody has something positive to say about this, because I certainly don't. Anyway, thank you really, 007. So sorry, am I interrupting? Not remotely. 007, I'd like you to meet Max Denby, head of the Joint Security Service. Well, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, 007. I've heard a lot about you. Most of it good. Congratulations on your new appointment. Thank you. I suppose we should call you C now. No, no. Max, please. No, I think I'll call you C. C. As you wish. Well, my door is always open, 007, for my employees. This merger is going to be a whole new chapter for us. We're going to bring British intelligence out of the dark ages into the light. That all sounds lovely. Hello, Davin Bithell yet again with my take on Spectre. So, after the brilliance of Skyfall, a $1 billion box office taking, Sam Mendes was persuaded to sit back in the chair and help recreate the magic. Again, as per Skyfall, we had a cast that promised so much. The same writers, Thomas Newman taking the pattern again. Hopes were high. I watched the press conference as it happened. There stood a rather nervous Sam Mendes, mic in hand, preamble going on a bit too long. And finally he walked to the left of stage to let the reveal of what the new James Bond film would be called. And that was when the doubts started to creep in. It was perfectly obvious that with a title called Spectre, Blofeld would return. I never believed in this Oberhauser nonsense, but what forgave this initially was to have someone like Christoph Waltz portraying the ultimate nemesis. And it was also clear that this was never envisioned at the beginning of Craig's reign as McClory was still with us, and there was no way he would have sold his interest in Bond when he was alive. So as far as the story arc was concerned, this is probably one of the biggest shoehorns applied in movie history, without taking into account the stepbrother element of it all. Whose idea this was, I don't know, but it is a case throughout that the four scriptwriters in this film 
weren't going in the same direction. Of all the reviews I've done during this run, this has been the most difficult to commence writing, as this has been the Bond film that is the least embedded in my memory. I do remember seeing it the first time and thinking, yeah it's alright. Now having to watch it again before watching it in the cinema to get a better grip on this film, it feels overall like a homage to Bond films of the past, within a plot that just doesn't get going. I can imagine Daniel and Sam in a bar, drinking in the glory of Skyfall, and when agreed to go again, they were thinking, let's do a train fight better than From Russia With Love, let's do a spectre scene better than Thunderball, let's have a helicopter sequence better than For Your Eyes Only, etc, etc. Talking of that helicopter battle, the pre-title sequence is the best moment of this film. A dress rehearsal of the one-take approach that Mendes does to great effect in 1917, a very fine film, but doesn't have any emotional pull for me, after previously seeing Peter Jackson's They Will Not Grow Old, which everyone must see. It does have one of the coolest Bond moments of the whole series when Daniel walks along the building tops. I just purr watching that. Set amongst the Day of the Dead festival, this sequence achieves what Quantum tried to do but failed in incorporating action sequences amongst cultural events. Yes, you can argue that there's elements of blue screen here and there, but it ain't back projection. Which leads to the main titles, and that song by Sam Smith. I did fear the worst when I heard he was to perform, and indeed co-write the song, as I'm not a fan. Upon first hearing, it wasn't as cringing as I expected, but it isn't a classic. When used in the film, however, with Kleinman's fine titles, I do get goosebumps. So I don't hold this theme with as much contempt as others. It should never have won an Oscar though. Of all the Bond themes that deserved a little statuette and never got a look in. It's amazing. Craig and Ray Fiennes always work well during this run, but I do feel that in some way they should have made Fiennes the leader of Spectre. I still think Andrew Scott's character of Denby has purpose and the final battle between him and M works, but if it was suggested that they were really in their own power play as to who holds the reins of Spectre as well as MI6, that would have really set up things nicely for the next film. Because of the riches within the Bond family, they each have their moments to shine. Somewhat reminiscent of a Marvel team, I'm hesitant to say. One thing you cannot deny about this run is that Daniel does give all in his films, no matter what the result is. Some may not like the serious gloomy road his films take, but he's hardly ever out of top gear. But being one of the producers does help, I suppose. There are some great moments in this film. The scene Bond shares with Lucia are probably the closest Bond gets into being a classic James Bond of the 60s. Monica Bellucci, oh my goodness. Other great moments are the Spectre meeting, which I will argue is better than the Thunderball meeting. The introduction of Blofeld and one of the best henchmen of all, Mr Hinks, wonderfully executed amongst an eerie smoky palace with an atmosphere you can cut with a knife. The meeting with Mr. White has that same feeling too, with probably Mr. White having the best line of the film, and the most quoted, I suppose. You're like a kite flying in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Finally, we have arguably the most brutal fight of the series, Bond and Hinks on the train, and this filmed whilst Daniel has a broken leg. Crumbs. Unfortunately, the rest of the film just meanders without any real fire in its loins. The car chase in Rome I know is more of a plot device with an excuse to add a touch of humour here and there, but you can add more danger in there as opposed to waiting for a Jeremy Clarkson voiceover to take over. 
The relationship between Bond and Madeline is nowhere near developed enough to believe that she, he, or indeed both, have fallen for each other. Her declaration of love for Bond during the torture scene is as about as unbelievable as Lupe's declaration of love for Bond in Licence to Kill. The scenes between them leading up to the train journey just doesn't create enough chemistry. It's not their fault, given how brilliant they are in No Time to Die. There's also the lack of promise Blofeld has after his introduction. After such a good opening, there's absolutely no menace or spark in Christoph Waltz's performance. It's just so matter-of-fact that even when he does show he's got one over Bond, it's as though the moment has been missed, which makes the last 20 to 25 minutes of this film just flagging of energy. Even the biggest explosion in movie history doesn't raise the pulse rates. The whole London section just feels so tagged on. Of course we didn't know that Daniel would return by this point, but in comparison to another heavily debated ending, which was yet to be conceived, at least that one tried to work, whereas this was just an uninspiring afterthought. So before I watched this on the big screen, or in fact any screen for the first time in a long time, I did think of this as Craig's Thunderball, fleeting moments of excellence amongst the crowd of nothing. Now I recorded that particular section about a month ago, and last night I went to see this film and it drew the lowest Saturday night screening I've attended, about the same number as Diamonds and Golden Gun. Goodness, they seem a long time ago now. And those numbers were the same faces that have been attending throughout the Craig period. However, there was one new guy who appeared to have two bags of popcorn, one portion of nachos, and a heavily ketchuped and mustard hot dog all for himself. Fortunately, he didn't ask for a waiter, and he was too far away from me. I hadn't had a good night's sleep that morning, so the real test of this film was whether I did not off during it. The film passed on that score, but I was, by the end of it, rather flat, just like all the other screenings of this film. It's a slow puncture of a film. It starts off brilliantly with the pre-titles right up to the Spectre meeting. The silent and minimalist nature during that scene is just excellent, and it is Christoph Waltz's best scene in the whole film. However, when we get to the car chase, beautifully shot I hasten to add, and made me wish that May 2023 would arrive sooner when the present Mrs Bithell and I will visit Rome, the drama starts to wane. The bicycle repairman does his best to bring life back into the tyre, during the meeting with Mr White and that superb train fight. Daniel Craig outdoes Roger Moore in the Barbara Woodhouse impersonation stakes when telling the security guard to stay, and the relationship between Bond and Swan is more believable, but that's thanks to No Time to Die. But the patch was ripped off by Waltz's second appearance. As mentioned above, I didn't want Blofeld back, so it needed a performance off the scale for me to buy into this and his relationship with Bond. Last night I felt rather irritated by him, not just for the lacklustre boarding on arrogant performance, but also for not wearing socks. I longed for a soupçon of Grey's campness or Savalas traits to give some kind of flair or panache to Volts, but instead he just says the words and nothing else. I don't hate the film like some others, I'm just on the whole disappointed. In the days when Bond films came around every two years, you could easily forget this and move on. These days, films like this linger and fester in people's minds. Spectre is really in some ways Craig's Thunderball, as I said, a film which the plot and at times the execution doesn't carry weight throughout the film. When it works, it works, and it looks superb, thanks to this generation's Roger Deakins, Hoyter Van Hoytema. 
The score by Thomas Newman is very familiar at times and like the film is at moments uninspired but not boring. When Bond drove off into the sunset I didn't think anything about whether Craig would return though at the time it appeared unlikely and where the franchise would go next. I wouldn't say my interest in Bond flatlined after this film but it needed a dose of adrenaline. Eventually we had to wait six years to see how the franchise would get out of the fine mess it put itself into. All the best guys. Don't let me interrupt you. Hello this is Noel here from Dublin and I didn't get to see Spectre over the weekend. I won't be able to see it for another two weeks but I hope it's okay if I share my feelings on the penultimate Daniel Craig Bond movie. In terms of style, Casino Royale was the most Fleming-esque of the Craig Bond movies, with Quantum being the most radical and Skyfall being the most existential. But for me, Spectre is the most cubby-broccoli Bond movie of the Daniel Craig era. It's a film that employs a very traditional adventure structure where it hits certain climaxes every 20 minutes in the form of an action set piece. That structure is admittedly a bit transparent, but it doesn't really bother me. Craig doesn't have to carry the weight and angst of the previous movies and he's kind of on his own in this film with us the audience as his wingman and as a result Craig is at his most playful and relaxed and it's really enjoyable just kind of hanging out with him. I never felt the action scenes in Skyfall were all that well focused or inspiring but here Mendes embraces the tradition of the action set piece that even John Glenn would be proud of and overall they never feel particularly forced into the story they seem to come about just at the right time. But where the film lets itself down is in the actual execution of these moments. The helicopter scene was always going to be difficult to pull off because of the clear use of green screen needed. The car chase at night means no one is around so it could have been shot anywhere but Rome. And the plane sequence also is a little bit underwhelming. But nonetheless it's the spirit of those scenes that find favour with me. I must admit I do enjoy the scene with the guy in the field and it just for some reason it screams 1985 to me and even that little look that Craig gives when he's in the plane sliding towards the barn and he just realises it's ahead of him. It's a nice little version of the Roger Moore double take but I think most people would agree that it's the train fight which is the highlight. It's a beautiful combination of choreography, camera work and editing and much like Harrison Ford's appeal. I find myself cheering on Craig as he goes up against a bigger foe and when he catches Hinks with that left punch I find myself shouting Go on my son! But much like the Pretender song from the Living Daylights Where Is Everybody Gone? Everybody on the train seems to vanish and it's a curious theme throughout much of the movie that apart from the pre-title sequence there's a strange lack of background talent even Q Branch and MI6 doesn't seem to have that buzz. In fact the first 10 minutes of the film after the credits, there is a lethargic feel to it. With Craig looking quite stoned in M's office. Other highlights for me are the Spectre meeting in Rome. Uh, I love Bond's callousness towards Mr White telling him to get up the stairs. And I really like the scene in L'Americain in the hotel room. And I love Craig interrogating the mouse. I think that's that's just him. People talk about him not being funny and so on. No, that's him being funny. That's his humour. One of my favourite scenes in the film is where Bond is talking to Blofeld in the control room. Where everybody just stands up at one point and the light's dim. And it's that point that Craig's Bond is sort of descending into more fantasy territory. And it's that great juxtaposition between Craig's Bond, which is quote-unquote realistic... 
and these slightly fantastical surreal notions i find something slightly intoxicating about that and uh, i think it's a real shame we didn't see more of that uh, i particularly love the moment where they meet in the mi6 building and the big build up to it it's a great image you have these two actors who are you know arguably two of the best actors of their generation they've done all these real art house movies and here they are one of them is playing secret agent 007 and the other is playing his arch nemesis blofeld i remember going to see spectre in the odeon leicester square with my dad and i always remember the pre-title sequence and that particular shot of the helicopter over the square and mendez pulls the camera back almost removing us from the film as we hear the distant screams of the people below and I do remember sitting in the cinema and it was at that moment that I kind of realised it's, it's the new Bond movie, I'm watching a, a James Bond movie and just that quiet thrill over realising that. And I wasn't watching anything particularly profound. The whole thing was purely designed just to entertain an audience. And as I go back to what I was saying about it being a Cubby Broccoli movie, it is an ambitious movie. There's lots of locations in it. I suppose that does appeal to me in the film because it creates lots of different visuals, different tones, different colours and I kind of feel by the end of the movie that I've been on a bit of a journey and there's been lots of different stops along the way uh, and I can't really say that about a lot of Daniel Craig's other Bond movies and, and I've, I've great fondness for them. Uh, you know, Mendes has gotten a bit of a hard time after making Spectre, but I, you know, he he recognised that the Bond movies do have a massive audience, but it's an opportunity to yeah show off, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I love its intent and I love its spirit. For me, it's my favourite Daniel Craig Bond movie. Q. Yes. Well, now you know exactly where I am all the time. Will you do something for me? What do you have in mind, exactly? Make me disappear. Um, may I remind you that I answer directly to M. I also have a mortgage and two cats to feed. Well, then I suggest you trust me for the sake of the cats. <laughs> well, it's lovely to see you, 007. Lovely. Um, now, I meant to tell you, the smart blood program is obviously still in its developmental phase. So we may experience the odd drop in coverage during the first 24 hours. 48 hours after administration, but after that it should work perfectly. I'll send you a postcard. Please don't. Hey Bond fans, how's it going? This is the Northern Eagle Love Me here. I hope you're doing well. Yes, I went to watch uh, Spectre last night at the uh, Great Northern Cinema in Manchester Centre. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. It's obviously still quite a newish film in terms of the uh, the collection. So uh, I must admit this film's gone up and down in my charts quite a bit. Um, I wasn't madly blown away by it at first. As these last seven years have gone by, there's been little bits that I've liked about it. I've liked what they've done with it, some of the new stuff they've put in there. But I'm going to go into that anyway. But yeah, I must admit, when I went to watch this at the, uh, I think it was the View Cinema in Salford Keys. And it's a lovely, uh, nice cinema there with a, there was like a bar there and they bring you drinks and stuff uh, to your seat. All that kind of cool stuff. So I think I went in my suit to watch this and... Uh, I kind of soon took my jacket off because it was quite warm in there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good to see this on the, the screen seven years ago. I do love the slow bomb theme at the start, and I must admit I got some goosebumps there, and obviously you get the gun sequence coming back as well with the blood and everything. 
So, uh, yeah, good Bond fan service there, nice. I do love the PTS. I can see why people say that this is one of their top uh, PTSs of the Bond collection. So, Mendes did so well with that tracking shot. I mean, that that is stunningly good. I'd love to watch some kind of video of, like, analyses how he does it, you know, where the joins are. You get the odd bit where you see the uh, the poster, and that's obviously a... Uh, you know, I changed there, but I'm sure he's done it where the eye can't actually make it out in the other bits, you know, and see where the join is. But yeah, stunningly good that. So well done to the guy for that. Obviously, he gets into the helicopter bit. I do like the uh, the Skiara guy, you know, the guy with the grey hair. It would have been quite nice if he'd been um, maybe just a you know a slight henchman part in the uh, the film before in Skyfall because I'd like to have seen more of that guy. He's got a cool look about him, and uh, I love the fact that Bond lets him go past, and then he kind of. Uh, Goes back to the hotel to see what he's up to. So I think that's done well. But the helicopter bit is just stunningly short. They did so good with that. And with the fight and everything. The uh, the music's good as well. Daniel Kleiman's music is good. And uh, I just love the way they just slowly uh, go into the theme at the start. A lot of people have an issue with his theme and uh, Sam Smith's voice. I mean, I think the guy's got an amazing voice. And uh, I think it's a falsetto that people don't like. And as a fan of the darkness and uh, some bands that sing, sing high. I mean, I've got no issue with that at all. He's, he's got some pipes as that guy, and uh, the actual music itself that it, you know that goes with these singing is, is stunningly good. You know, and sweeping sounds and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I lap all that stuff up. I absolutely love it. You know, it's not at the top of my music um, chart for Bond. It's certainly got a decent spot in there. But I just love the bit uh, you get pissed off him at the start, which I always love. I think this is finds his. Best performance as M. He gets to do a lot in this film, obviously. He's just showing his acting chops. You can do this stuff in his sleep, that guy. But um, I couldn't get away from that last night when I was watching the film. I just thought he's, he's so good in this as M. Absolutely superb. He gets a lot to do as well, of course. You just know that Max Denby's dodgy if you've watched uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, you see him in other stuff. He always plays a bit of a, a sleazy, nasty guy. As soon as that guy was announced and he was part of the um, you know, my 5 my 6 you just think, yeah, he's definitely a baddie, an internal baddie. I like the way the plot builds with the, the M flashback with the video. I just thought that was done so well when uh, Money Penny goes to his flat. You do get this slight nod that maybe Money Penny and Bond may have slept together, possibly again. You know, some people think they never, never sleep together, but I think they're definitely doing Skyfall. Or it's definitely alluded to. And they see Bond in his dressing gown, and you just think, yeah, they might have got it, got it on again, to be honest. But uh, that was my thought. It's so good to see Ben Wishart again. He gets to do a lot in this film again. And uh, I just love his sort of middle-aged teacher style that he's got in this film. You know, he gets some awesome lines, you know, the... Uh, oh, I have him. He appears to be in Chelsea. And then you get the uh, the mortgage and two cats line. I love that. M wants my balls, you know, when he's out in the field, when he says that to Bond. I, I laughed quite loudly at that in the cinema. I just the way he delivers that line is just absolutely awesome. And uh, the Aston Martin is obviously stunning. A lot of people don't like the car chase, but I, I enjoyed it a lot last night. It dips a bit with the uh, Sinatra thing and the... Um, you know, when he's talking to uh, Money Penny on the phone, it, it does take a bit away from the action and the uh, the kind of parachute thing is a little bit sort of cringy at the end and a bit too try hard to be cool. Bond, which I don't always like that kind of stuff. But no, I did enjoy that. And uh, obviously, you get to uh, Lucia Sciarra. I mean, Monica Bellucci, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I am one of those Bond fans that I've loved to have seen her in uh, back in the 90s with Pierce. Obviously, she's still a stunningly attractive woman now, but. Um, 
Yeah, I think she works with uh, with Dan as well, you know, being a similar sort of age as well. I mean, I'll get onto the bit about Leah Seotsido being a bit younger. That's kind of settled a bit more for me over the years, that gap in the ages. But uh, like a lot of people, uh, even before I went to watch the film, I just thought it would have been amazing if she turned out to be the main baddie. You know, obviously liking uh, The World Is Not Enough. She would have made a good baddie, you know. She's got a sort of darker way about the, uh, the part in this, you know. She's quite guarded and... What a missed opportunity that was, you know, to make her the main baddie instead of Blofeld. I mean, that would have been uh, absolutely superb. But hey-ho, do love the um, the Spectre meeting. I enjoyed that so much in the cinema last night, you know, with the dark lighting and all that kind of stuff. The bit where you get Hinks coming in, you know, he's just absolutely over the top and, and nasty, you know, and uh, I kind of quite like that, you know. it was. Uh, I just wish that guy was in uh, No Time to Die as well. You know, I was hoping he would be, and I was convinced he would be, but again, another missed opportunity. I do love uh, Jasper's Mr. White. It was uh, awesome to see him, uh, you know, out, out in the snow at that cabin. Obviously, a lot of backstory uh, building up about, uh, you know, Madeline and his, his daughter and his wife, all that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, after seeing No Time to Die, it was good to uh, kind of see that stuff, you know, looking back on that stuff that built up to that latest film. I do love Leah Sido, you know, I like it in the Mission Impossible film that she's in. She's got just a different way about her you know compared to some of the other bond girls you know she's obviously a bit of ohmss coming in there just in the way the uh, with her father and stuff you know and all that kind of thing and uh, they don't seem to get on at first her and bond and uh, just there's definitely a bit of a nod to that film with this she's you know again stunningly good looking woman and uh, i do they do like her. i didn't like her at first um i don't seem to be keen on bond girls that have a bit of a uh, bit of attitude with bond at first because uh, as a bloke you kind of you know you you, you want to feel like you know you James Bond in this film and uh, if the Bond girl doesn't like you at first you kind of don't like her but it obviously builds and uh, she's uh, she looks amazing in that hotel in uh, in Tangiers you know in that uh, in that get up and uh, obviously on the train when she's got that uh, that dress on I mean that 1950s or 60s glamour look that she's got is absolutely stunning and uh, I just love the I, I think the interplay between her and Bond it, it builds more on the, in that part of the film than I kind of first thought you know a lot of people have an issue with the, the connection with her and Bond but I think they have good chemistry in this and uh, obviously they've got more in No Time to Die but there's definitely more in this than I thought there was. I had to uh, mention the bit uh, with Max Denby when he just uh, says he's going to bin off, you know, the double O section. The absolute shade that Money Penny gives him in that uh, in that scene, I just I, I love that. She just lingers there for a minute and just looks at him with an absolute death stare, and uh, I absolutely love that. So let's get on to Blowfold. I mean, Christoph Waltz is. Uh, I, I enjoyed him as Blowfold last night. Uh, I, I do love the actor. I think he's uh, excellent and. Uh, it's better than I kind of thought, you know, he was in this as Blofeld. And uh, while he's not the top of my villain chart, which I've just done uh, yesterday, it's, it's quite low down in that. But it's just because there's so many more villains that are like more than his incarnation of Blofeld here. But I thought he was excellent last night and it's definitely helped take up this film a couple of notches for me last night. I do like the bit where he says that he's, um, he's Blofeld and uh, a lot of people just think that's... Uh, Again, a bit of a wasted opportunity. I, I was getting goosebumps there when he, the cat's there and he sort of says who he is, you know. He died 20 years ago, the person you're looking at, you know. That, that was done so well, I thought that was excellent. The kind of family thing with Blofeld, I, a lot of people have an issue with that, but um, it's something they, you know, they, they sort of obviously tried to do and 
I, I don't have an issue with it. A lot of people get upset about it. It's just a bit of a departure from, uh, obviously, the timeline and that kind of thing, but I don't mind it. Yeah, the London ending is excellent. I mean, a lot of people say that third act is uh, is awful. I like it. You know, I like the fact it's set in London. I like the safe house stuff, all this sort of MI6, you know, spyware stuff. It's obviously quite high stakes with the, uh, the, the kind of thing going online, the CNS thing. And uh, that Westminster set, I mean, I, you know, obviously, like a lot of people, you find out that that was... You thought you, you can't have that on that bridge in London. It's got to be a set that, and uh, that was done on a set of Pinewood. And uh, I defy anyone not to think that that is that is the Houses of Parliament there, and that is in London because that is a uh, so well lit and kind of set up that set. I mean, uh, you know, superb stuff. And uh, I just love the nice little ending where he picks up the car and just goes off with uh, with Madeline. But it's definitely going to pin my chart a couple of notches. I knew it would after seeing it in the cinema again, and I think it's about eighteenth something like that. And it's, it's above some decent Bond films that I like a lot. You know, it's actually gone above them. It's just jumped over Quantum, which has gone up in my chart a little bit as well since the other week. And uh, it's above stuff like, um, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies and uh, You Only Live Twice and Mammy the Golden Gun, which I all view as excellent Bond films. But um, I am one of those people that I've had to bid a bit of nostalgia with these Bond films and just think... What would I prefer to watch? Would I prefer to watch this or one of the, the lesser older Bond films that I'm not as keen on? A lot of people get very sort of protective of these uh, older films. I've tried to kind of just knock that on the head a little bit myself and just like what I like. I don't mind admitting I like this film a lot more than a lot of uh, Bond fans that love the old stuff. You just can't help liking what you like and you've just got to be honest about it. You can easily get influenced by other Bond fans, you know, especially on Twitter and social media and you feel a bit kind of guarded saying, oh, do you know what? I enjoyed this film a lot and I absolutely love it last night and it's taking it up a couple of notches i hope you've enjoyed it too um if you don't i understand but uh thank you for listening and just keep checking out these guys podcasts because they do loads of good stuff these guys the good blokes so thanks for listening see you later hi guys it's tom donnelly here or tom james on twitter not managed to participate in the pod for the last few weeks but wanted to get in and, and give my thoughts on spectre i imagine i'm going to be along the same lines as, as a number of other people. For me, Spectre is a real disappointment of a film, and I don't say that lightly. When I heard, I remember before the film came out, seeing that Christoph Waltz was in it, he was clearly going to be Blofeld. I thought that would be an absolute masterstroke, but it isn't. He's criminally underused, and the whole Blofeld storyline really doesn't work for me. I think the film's way too long. There are some really good scenes in it. Watching it on the big screen on Tuesday with my pal John Cowell, who's been on a, on a few of the uh, screenings in this run with me. The train fights seem to be... In fact, the, the whole train scenes, the fight, and then Bond and Madeline in the, in the cabin, seem to be really, like, fast edited, but fast forwarded. It was just really, it was just really weird. It might, it might have been, might have been me, I might have just been tired, but it just seemed to be, didn't seem to, to, to flow really well, like it was badly edited, but anyway. I like some of the callbacks to earlier films, the whole train fight, you know, evoking the, 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 from Russia with love and, and the likes of Live and Let Die and The Spy Who Loved Me, to an extent. There's been some good, Train fights in the Bond films over the years. I like some elements of of this film, but on the whole, it's one that is very much toward the the bottom of my ranking, and I don't I don't feel that it's really shifted at all 
I'm watching it again on the big screen. It is a real missed opportunity for me. This and the final Craig film are, in my opinion, two of my least favourites of the of the whole franchise. But I'll leave talking about the, the second of the films to have to go and to see it again on the big screen uh, next week. Thanks, guys. Loving the pod. What are we going to talk about when the, when this, this run of films is over? Anyway, cheers, guys. It's funny. All that excitement in Mexico City rang a distant bell. And now, suddenly, this evening, it makes perfect sense. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, James. It's been a long time, but finally here we are. What took you so long? Cuckoo. Well, hello, Bond people, Bond fans. It's Jim Jam's Bond here, and oh boy, we have Spectre today where do i begin i um i don't know i gotta tell you i do not like i do not like this film i first saw specter in the theater in 2015 and you know wasn't blown away saw it a year later on blu-ray and you know enjoyed it a bit more then i watched it again uh, probably a year after that and returned to initial levels of enjoyment and then a fourth time not too long ago six months ago watched it oh it dropped i'm starting to see the cracks and there's just something about this film it's like there's a weight on you there's this weight on you as you're watching it and you can't really figure out what it is you can't figure out what is happening what is wrong with the film but you know something is you just know deep down so i did not have high hopes for watching this last night and boy, was I not disappointed. This film is irredeemable. I'm so sorry to everybody who loves the film. Starting with some of the basic building blocks. All right, so the characters, you know, obviously I start off thinking about Bond. Like, who is Bond? Um, how is the actor? I mean, overall, I mean, my, my biggest, I mean, let's just go over the big, the pillars, right? Is that the performances are terrible i mean they're lackluster and wooden phoned in everybody 
with the exception of Q. Phones in the performance in this movie. Maybe M does an okay job, although I feel bad for the Scooby gang in this one because they they really don't have much to do. They're given these, you know, it's like, here, we need you to uh, say this line of exposition and we need you here to open a door or whatever. They, I feel bad for them. Anyway, uninspired action. The action sequences have a moment here or there where you're like, ooh, that's sort of cool. They did a thing there with a the flippy. Otherwise, just not a lot of thought went into these action stunts and set pieces, and I'll get to those. A, a couple of highlights. There are a couple of moments that I do I do like. And then the plot, and I'll get into... I'm, con I'm still, con to this day, I still am very confused and I need help here as to what is going on in the film, the plot. But let me start off with Bond in this film. I just, I feel like he's too much of a passive protagonist. Everything, every development, every breadcrumb, every stone he unturns, feels like he's been directed to it. He's been told where to go, you know? Go to the funeral. Go to the public library or wherever they hold their their Spectre, the secret Spectre meeting. Go to L'American, go to here. Somebody else is always telling him where to go. So I feel like he's kind of passive. And so then he doesn't really feel connected to the, the main plot. I mean, of course, then again, I'm really confused by the main plot, which I think is Spectre wants to control the uh, intelligence really they want they want surveillance which is very boring anyway so there's that you know and they're staging these terror not staging them per se they are actually committing terrorist attacks in order to convince the world community that they need nine eyes right and i think that's the general gist so really bond kind of going off on this mission just sort of seems kind of like um secondary i mean yeah he ends up like you know decapitating Spectre, and that's great and all that, but for the most part, I think Q is really the hero of this movie. He's the one that hacks Nine-Eyes, but anyway, I'll get into that in a minute. So, character-wise, so we've got James Bond, boring, Leia Seydoux, bless her heart, Madeline Swan, one of the worst Bond girls, just, she improves in no time to die. I will give her that. But here, she's phoning it in. Her emotional state changes from scene to scene. We're talking a few minutes between scenes and she's going from coy to professional to flirty to confident to badass. And it's like, and then scared. And then she goes, she's scared suddenly. And we just see this really strange range of emotions from her. Just don't care for her performance. It's really flat. Everybody on the set, like I said, except for Q. Q is wonderful in this. And I'm glad Q has a lot to do. You know, he really, this is the most we've seen Q do anything. He's got, even got his own little chase. He's involved in a, a chase at the clinic. So that's really cool. And and Ben Washaw kills it. He does. He does a great job. The overall presentation is bad. I think it's not just a bad Bond film. I think it's a bad film. I really do. I think technically speaking, I mean, speaking of phoning it in, Sam Mendes, what, does he show up? I mean, there's a couple of moments. There's a couple of scenes where you're like, okay, yeah, they had a director. But it's just very flat. A lot of the scenes, a lot of the dialogue scenes, like remind me of the Star Wars prequels. Just like very flat shot, counter shot, over the shoulder, very bland. The background looks fake. I mean, I probably isn't. But it just, something's wrong. You know, you're watching these scenes like at the Q Lab and then again at Blofeld's lair. And the scenes are just so dull and the lighting is odd. There's this odd like backlight 
and then the, the, the overhead light doesn't seem to change as they walk. There's just something not right. It's like an uncanny valley of lighting and cinematography. It's uh, I don't know what it is, but man, it really bugs me. And so I just don't really feel like Sam. I mean, I know he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to do the film and they, they talked him into it. And so I feel like, yeah, his heart isn't it. And I think the same with Daniel Craig. I think Daniel Craig really felt like this was going to be his last Bond film. And it shows because he's just not in the moment. I'll get to some of the other characters as we go along. Money Penny's just not really used. She's just sort of there to open doors for people and uh, deliver lines of exposition. Same with Tanner. He just delivers lines of exposition. Otherwise, he's just kind of there. It's just sort of like if you swapped him out with another character, would it matter? You know, if you if you swapped Tanner and Money Penny, would it matter? I don't know. Anyway, so I need to get into this story now. So you know, we start off. We we, we get a gun barrel. So that's cool. It's a plus. Very exciting. Especially in the theater. That was really exciting. I remember that. But then we get this silly text. We get the what the dead are alive, I think is what it says. And which I don't get it. Like, is that just a reference to Blofeld? I don't know. Even if it is, even if it's not, doesn't matter. Has no place here. It's just weird. It's just weird. And then, you know, we start off with the Day of the Dead. You know, it looks kind of cool. It's a nod to live and let die, which I appreciate. But, you know, one thing that's always kind of bothered me is, is, is what Bond doing here, does it require this level of subterfuge? I mean, he's in a crowd. Does he really need the costume to evade uh, Skiara in order to get into the hotel? Is that really necessary? I know that's nitpicky. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it is, because otherwise it's fine, I think. I don't mind it. I don't mind. I think it's actually kind of a cool scene. And I, I think this is the this is the way it is, right? If you if you really like a movie, you overlook the minor errors. If you don't like a movie, then they just stick in your brain, right? And you can't get past them. So also with this, the Day of the Dead, there there's music, right? That is meant to be. Uh, coming from the, the huge band. There's a huge band and you can, later on you can see PAs set up. But for some reason, the sound guys decided to treat it non-diegetically, meaning that it, it's, it sounds like it's part of the soundtrack, which is a terrible idea, because that would be such a cool moment with the music bouncing off the buildings and, and, and that. And then they go into the hotel and then different music starts coming in and it's laid over the existing drums. and It doesn't quite match and it's also non-diegetic. And I'm like, what is happening? And then during the chase, again, non-diegetic. It just doesn't work, those drums. So, you know, then they go up to the hotel room and then he hops out the window onto the and, and of course it's a cut from a set to an actual location and it shows and his suit looks different suddenly and on on the suits are tight his suit is too tight i'm sorry like rewind look at skyfall look at quantum like those suits are perfect they're perfectly tailored now all of a sudden he's like a hipster you know with the short pants and uh, the suit it just it can't be comfortable it can't be comfortable wearing that so he he rocks up to his little perch he you know overhears them talking about the stadium bomb and then he flicks on i don't know why he flicks on the little laser dot on his rifle because that's what gives him away he doesn't really need it he's 20 feet away anyway so the bomb goes boom building blah, 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 collapses and then um, there's this chase that I think goes on way too long through the streets. The music doesn't fit. Oh, that's another thing. The score is not good. He, um, Newman either like reused, if I'm not mistaken, reused a lot of cues from Skyfall. Or if he didn't, 
the music's just I mean, Skyfall didn't really have a great soundtrack, to be honest. It, that was one of the weak points of that film. And here the music is just no better. It doesn't feel like Bond. It doesn't match what's going on. Um, I don't feel it. It's not really working in the chase. And then when they get to the helicopter, of course, the music goes away. And then we have this helicopter sequence, which, again, I know a lot of people really like the helicopter fight. I find it kind of meh. You know, it's like, especially when you consider that the interior shots, which are obviously in a studio, are very dynamic. The camera's moving around. There's a lot of motion. And then they cut to the outside and the motion doesn't really match. Like the camera is doing some slight pulls in and pulls out. But otherwise, you can tell it's a stunt pilot just doing a weird circle. You know, he's just got it in reverse or whatever, and he's just doing a circle, and it's really boring. If you really watch it, it's not that interesting. So, yeah, so the thing that bothers me here in the helicopter, the thing that bothers me here is um, you'll notice that I think it's timed with, with Bond grabbing the ring or seeing the ring, but all of a sudden music just b boom. You know, it's just, just it just starts up. It, it, it sounds like a mistake to me. It sounds like somebody in the control room accidentally like leaned against the, you know, the console and bumped the fader and the music just comes in. Cause it, it, it you know I mean? It's just so sudden that there's no like very, you know, there's no quieter little ticky ticky music and then boo boo boo, you know, then it builds, that would be great. Instead it's just bah. So it sounds like a mistake to me. It's terrible. Um, and then they fight, and it's really not that interesting. And the guys fall out the helicopter, and he takes control. So we go into the title sequence and the theme song. Uh, I don't really, I don't like this song. I, I've never liked this song, and, and I don't like anything about it. I don't like the performance musically. If you really think about it, it's like a. Um, it reminds me of like the you know uh, the American Idol, like the the song at the end that they write for the contestants at the end. So here we go. So Bond is in M's office. He's in trouble. Shouldn't have done this. You know, Bond, come on, you know. You know so we hear about how like MI6 and MI5 are merging and they want to scrap the double O program. I don't know. That, that sounds like a, a plot written on paper pulled out of a hat. It really does. It's just very tropey to me. And, then, and the, oh, I forgot to mention that dialogue in this film is just it's abhorrent. I mean, and here's a good example you know, so we meet uh, Max, you know, this guy, C, and he's got all this just cliche dialogue. And he's, what does he say? Uh, out of the dark ages into the light. Like, come on, really? You just said that? There's so many just clunkers in this in this movie. So then we have, uh, you know, the money pennies there. She's got the stuff. She's got the stuff from Skyfall that she wants to give him. He's like, no, come by my place later. Obviously, because they need to have the scene with M. M's MP4 that they have to watch and, uh, you know, so we can get some exposition there also between Bond and, and Moneypenny. Uh, there's this thing that Moneypenny says uh, in the apartment that's just appalling writing. She says, you know, people are talking, saying that uh, Mexico is a mistake and, and that you're finished. And then he says, uh, and what do you think? And she responds, that you're just getting started. Like, come on, you're just getting started? Like, it's terrible. This is all terrible dialogue. Okay, well, I'll leave the dialogue alone for now. So, M sent him to kill Skiara. Go to, she says, well, go kill Skiara and go to the funeral. All right, thanks. That's not vague or anything, M. Thanks for that. Um, anyway, so we go to the funeral. Lovely photography here uh, of the, the funeral. This very stark white marble. Really cool, very striking. Uh, Bond is there. You can, uh, there's the back of a head that could be Blofeld, you know, whatever. He walks off, has a little chat with Monica Bellucci. And, that, you know, I'm, unpopular opinion here, right? 
Monica Bellucci is lovely. Like she's beautiful, but her performance is not really that good. Everyone goes on about it, but she's wooden. She's phoning it in. She just wants a paycheck. I think she, her beauty just distracts us. I don't know. I know. I know. I'm going to get a lot of heat for that, but I think it's true. So anyway, so they go back to her place or actually she goes back to her place and there's the really cool little moment where we're cutting back and forth between, you know, as she's walking outside with a glass of something, there's the curtains blowing and then we start to see in the shadows these blurry faces of hitmen who've come to kill her and then just, you know, in the nick of time, Bond takes care of it and then he decides to seduce her. And then off we go to, he's on his way to the public library there where they're holding this the, the super secret Spectre meeting. And the meeting is about a number of things, but I think the most important item on the agenda, right, is about, it's not about replacing Skiara, I think. It's actually about wrapping up the loose ends since Skiara is dead. And so the guy at the head of the table, don't remember his name, He's like, yes, I am very, very loyal. I will take care of this. I will kill. I think it's about killing Mr. White, but he's like, I'll take care of it. There's this weird pause where there's like, you know, I guess, I don't know, Blofeld has, you know, I don't know, he wants to cause trouble. I don't know. So all of a sudden he says, any challengers? And then from way in the back, here comes Hinks. Here comes Dave Batista from way in the back, like he's the coat check guy. You know, what was he doing back there? I don't know. So he steps up, okay, he's like, I, you know, I want the job, I'm your guy. So, you know, well, what are your credentials? Like, you think they're gonna compare resumes or something, I don't know, but instead, he, he just kills him. Like, like that's that's how it's done, apparently, it's Spectre. And it's, oh, and it's dirty. Like, he um, sucker punches the guy, and then while he's dazed, he pushes his eyes in. Like, oh, I, I see. And then, so then you become a Spectre super secret agent. So what, the guy in Mexico, like Skiar, the old man, he could just handle himself? Like, that's all it takes? You could be a complete moron, but as long as you can, I don't know, like handle yourself in a fight, then you're our man. You're our, you know, international assassin. That's just really silly. So let's skip ahead to the, okay, it's very, very boring chase, I think. A lot of people like it. I think it's kind of slow, the car chase through Rome. Not a really exciting way to use that awesome parachute. The parachute is great. I love when he parachutes and then he lands and there's like a little Roger Moore moment. The guy I think it's like the the like a milkman or something, the garbage man. But anyway, there's a little moment there. But the way he, I just find it very uninteresting. They could have done something so much cooler, like with the car, I don't know, spinning out, you know, and he's like out of control and then boom, hits the button and then flies out. But I just feel everything's just so contained and boring in that scene. Sorry, sorry again to those who love it. So now we're off to Austria and, um, you know, there's a cool little moment with the boat. Looks beautiful when he's on the boat. I like his outfit here. It's very, very cool with the toque. And then he goes to see Mr. White. And this is a great sequence. I love Jesper Christensen. This is the best, one of the best scenes in the movie, I think. I mean, performance-wise, absolutely. He's just amazing. There's this great little moment. So Bond hands him the PPK. Mr. White picks it up. And I just love this little moment. It's really subtle. But he, he, he's, he has to use both hands to support the gun in order to pull back the hammer. And it's just, it's just, it's a little moment, but it's great. I just really like that bit. And then he shoots himself and he, but he gets a little information. He's like, you know, L'American, L'American, my daughter knows everything about it. And then Bond is like, I will protect her. And he's like, no, how will you? And he's like, I will. And then so after, so 
you know, shoots him, and then um, he's off to find. He just goes to the clinic, right? He takes a plane and he goes to the clinic, and he tries to talk with Madeline, and she's a little bit, you know, cold at first. So then we get all this, you know, action and the the chase. I'm sorry, the the, the trucks and the plane. Uh, the a problem here is that a plane chasing trucks is just not practical because they use different terrain, they have different maneuvering capabilities. So we just end up with this really odd, stiff chase. Occasionally something explodes, ooh. And then of course he loses his wings and he's basically a sled. He's like on this unalterable trajectory. But fortunately, Hinks and his guys, what do they do? They turn right into the path of the plane. Isn't that convenient? that they do that. So he's able to stop them. He gets Madeline back. He doesn't kill Hinks, strangely, even though this is this this is this guy's trouble, right? This is the guy that you want to kill, you know, make sure he's dead. Just pop one in the head and he doesn't. I don't know why. So he rescues Madeline. She's not pleased about it, but then she gives in anyway. And off they go to Tangier, right? And you know, Tangier looks nice. It's there's still the the whole it's still yellow. The whole movie is still yellow. It's frustratingly yellow. And then they find, you know, Mr. White's secret room of, you know, <laughs> this this room of like props. You know, here's the room of props to get you to the next place, James. Here you go. You didn't find it. A mouse did. Um anyway, Okay, so they find out where they need to go. They need to go to this volcano or this asteroid crater. So, you know, they get on the train. There's, um, he shows her the gun. And we find out, oh, she knows how to use a gun. Oh, that's great. Anyway, and of course, once again, her emotional state is completely different from the previous scene. It changes every scene. Um, then I think that we go to like a supper club in London or something. It's like M's favorite joint. They talk about something. I don't remember. I was tired. So, okay. So then we go back to the train and, uh, you know, they're drinking martinis and she's suddenly talking about his future. Like, could you ever settle down? Again, very different. Um, and then Hicks comes in and just kicks the table, just, just kicks the table over. Very dramatic fashion. And then we get this fight. And this fight is actually really cool. It's, um, you know, it's a nod to uh, From Russia With Love. And also, I would say... The spy who loved me, the latter being, you know, the fight with Jaws and the fact that, you know, Bond is really struggling here because Minx is massive. And so just like in The Spy Who Loved Me, he has to use objects in the environment. So instead of the lamp, now he uses a candle. It's a light source. It's sort of interesting. He uses a few other things. And in the end, of course, he has to use what well, I don't know if they're beer barrels or what those things are in order to dispatch Hinks. And then, of course, then yeah, they have intercourse and it just comes out. Even though she said over and over again that she would never do this um, for, uh, and she hates violence, whatever. Somehow there's violence and then there's sex. So I don't know. So now we go to the, the baddie layer, the crater layer. It's cool looking. I actually really like this set. It's really neat. You know, so we get the tour of the facility and then we go. And just like with Q's lab, the, the layer here is just not something is not right about it. It doesn't feel right. The lighting is off. It feels like a green screen. And even if it's not a green screen, it looks like one. And that's enough really to ruin it for me. He shows the CCTV tape, which I don't know why Bond is upset somehow that he's doing that. It doesn't really make any sense. Like, who cares? It doesn't change anything. The whole bro I'm not even going to go into the brother thing. That's already been done to death. 
But there is, there are some again the dialogue, just some doozies, right? I am the author of your pain. What really? Like what vending machine did you get that out of? It's terrible. And um, you know him saying, you know, I am responsible for the deaths of the women in your life, and it's just so silly. It just, I think, it really ruins what the previous three films had set up. It's really unfortunate. And and I just have to say, okay, we're with Blofeld now. Christoph Waltz is miscast. I think what happened was is they based his casting on his performance in Inglorious Bastards, where he's wonderfully, just maniacally, delightfully evil in that movie. But ever since then, he's kind of been more comedic. He's a bit goofy, and so I, I have a hard time taking him seriously. And again, just like everybody else, he phones it in here. And and then of course there's the torture, right? Which is very Bondy, and it's done in a very Bondy way. And they escape. I don't mind any of this. A lot of people complain, you know, he's getting drilled, but he, you know, oh, he's but he's totally fine. So it doesn't really bother me because I have a feeling that the first two were just sort of practice runs, I think. And then he's about to really dig in the brain there really go in and then that's when they get the watch and then they escape and so now outside is terrible right i mean he's has <laughs> i mean he's got perfect aim suddenly he's just way too easily dispatches these henchmen and then the whole place blows up it's a cool explosion biggest ever at the time i think and then they go off in the helicopter okay and then we go to london Right back at London, we've got the Scooby Gang, you know, doing things. There's a safe house, there's Bond there. The London sequence, just like the pre, I mean, just like a lot of this movie, just moves so slowly. Oh, you know, oh, so Bond is um, abducted, but then he manages to get away, and then he goes into MI6, and we get the Carnival Funhouse sequence, which of course is hilarious, and 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 then he meets Blofeld behind the glass, and they have silly dialogue. And then he's got to escape. He's got to escape because there's a bomb, a three-minute bomb. Fine, whatever. He's got to find Madeline, which he does pretty easily because he knows the building, so that's not a problem. Um, and then off Blofeld goes in a helicopter. And then suddenly Bond is in a boat with Madeline. They're in a boat. So we have the Thames chase, the boat chasing the helicopter. And it's so dull. And... The reason is, is it's just like with the uh, the plane and the SUVs. Is the, you, it's really hard to have a chase with two vehicles that really aren't meant to chase one another. Like you know what I mean? Like you've got the plane and the trucks, and you've got a boat and a helicopter. So again, it's the trucks with the plane. You know, the, just turn, just turn the pl- the helicopter, just fly, just fly over the land. Just just turn and fly down the street away from the Thames because the, the, the boat is stuck. There's nothing he can do. And also you can tell kind of that the helicopter is slowing down a bit. You know, the actual the stunt pilot is slowing down a bit so that the boat could catch it. Because I have a feeling that helicopters fly faster. But even if they don't, it's just still very silly. It's not dynamic, you know. Like if you had two boats, like whenever there's boat chases in Bond, it's really cool because they can... Especially if they're really close together, right? Because they zip in and out and they spin around and, and, you know, they create waves and it's cool. But once you've got this separation, there's the, the, the boat, All what's the boat going to do? He's going to drive straight really fast, right? 
the helicopter is just gonna fly forward fast like that's it and and so it, it's just absolutely ridiculous at the end and then of course how does he take it down with a handgun from a moving boat from a boat that's moving he's on the water it's every it's just one thing after another but it, it's just and then, then and so he takes him down and then they catches him and he decides in very disappointingly cliche fashion you know i'm not gonna kill you or i've got better things to do or something silly like that i think it'd be actually kind of interesting if he just killed blofeld but you know they've got to have blofeld you know for the sequel so and that's kind of it you know then he gets in a car he gets in the db5 with uh, madeline who i despise and i wish she uh, had never existed as the bongo so that's what i think of um of Spectre. It, uh, every time I watch it, it gets worse to me. It gets a little bit worse. It bothers me a little bit more. I find something else to not like. Now, this time I did appreciate a couple of things more than the last time. I think I appreciated the train fight a bit more. Uh, I appreciate uh, Q. That was a big surprise to me. I suddenly, I'm like, oh, shit. The Q is really cool here. Um, so there's that. But all in all, just a dull, a dull movie just boring and it's not fun so that's all i'll say thanks really 007 for hopefully posting this on your podcast and uh this has been jim jams bond i'll see you all on twitter i always knew death would wear a familiar face but not yours so watch over this pleasure mr bond i was at a meeting recently and your name came up London was still talking about me. It wasn't MI6. It was Rome. Your team, not mine. Oh. Last month, I found thallium in my cell phone. It's done its job. I have a few weeks, maybe less. So, here we are, Mr. Bond. Two dead men enjoying the evening. What did you do? I disobeyed him. I followed him as far as I could. He changed. Oh, I see. You grew a conscience. Our game is our game. But this, women, children. Well, Othalian would suggest that he doesn't like you very much anymore. And clearly the feeling is mutual. So why don't you tell me how to find him again? Oh, come on. Tell me where he is. He's everywhere. Everywhere. He's sitting at your desk. He's kissing your lover. He's eating supper with your family. So, is we... your spectre against mine, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw the spectre on your shoulder. So we've just come out of spectre. Derby. Odeon at Derby. We've just come out of the yellowest movie I've ever yes. seen in my life. Yes, certainly got an orangey-yellow tinge all the way through <laughs> that I'd not really noticed before. No, it's... Um, oh, no, no, the, a lot of people have talked about that mm. yellow thing, and I suppose maybe, again, this this goes with a lot of the stuff that we, we were referring to for Quantum, you know, when we saw it, you've seen it on the small screen, you watch it again on the big screen, and the action's quite jarring, because oh. you don't notice it, because the screen's not as big. Well, similarly here, it was very yellow. Yeah. The movie's got jaundice. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> 
it's, like, it's like sand had been <laughs> sprinkled all over it yeah. through most of the film. But um, yes, at least the gun barrel's back in the right place. Oh, Bobby loves a gun barrel. <laughs> and it's, it's still even not right. Gun, he, it's well, a, it was a terrible gun barrel. I it's mean, how does close Bond but no cigar. Bond yeah. never fades to black, so no. Re-records, not fades away. Yeah. Um, somebody mentioned the the whole. Well, especially with this and with the No Time to Die, the gun that he's holding in his hand. Mm. I've never spotted it before. No. Now I could not see no. it. <laughs> Waving it about yeah. as he wanders into the shot. Fantastic but... pre-title. Oh, it's yeah. really, really good. It's it hooks you from the. It's there, still, it? it's still a, a a joy to try and see where all we know where all the joins are, but this it's done so well. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, <coughs> So they've, they've hidden it as a continuous shot very well. There's a couple yes. of joins along the way, yeah. but um, yeah, go on. Well, the one I notice is obviously the poster. The, that's the first yeah, join. There's, there's the poster, um, and then the then they one. go into the lift when they come out of the lift. Yeah. Before they get to the door, uh, a couple walk across. Right. So it it switches from mm. where they are there to then it's pine wood, and they go into the the, the pine the door is pine wood. Right. Into the room. Oh, no. the other ones when he walks out of the And then the, when he the goes window. out the yeah. window, yeah. yeah. But the only one that's really noticeable, I think, is the poster. Yeah, but even that's main... still very well done. It is. That's a Hitchcock trick. If you've seen the movie Rope yeah. in 1948, there are three cuts in that, I believe. Or, no, is it two reels? No, it's two reels. I think there's two yeah, cuts. And the camera just simply passes behind <clears throat> furniture. Well, they've done oh. a similar exercise here, but carried it off for it really nicely. But that it is. it gets a lot of flack. You know, oh. but that whole, you know, they go to all that trouble to go to Mexico to do all of this and the Day of the Dead and they don't need yeah. the whole thing at the start. But the the whole thing about him just popping out for a moment and when he walks down that and walks along the roof, down the mm. wall, down the other thing, he looks fabulous. Looks like a panther. Like a panther. <laughs> Walk like a panther tonight. He looks spectacular. Yeah. So I really enjoy that. And the and the whole helicopter thing is magnificent. Yes, that's a is. terrific action scene. Yeah. And yeah. you know, well, that's that's when, when when he slips and he lands on that sofa. That little wry smile, <laughs> yeah. I think, is perfect. Yeah. It's when he throws. What is it? Uh, it's, it's a, a light can, fitting. A candle, it's like a candlestick light fitting. It's light fitting. Yeah. yeah, but no, perfect. Great opening scene. Yes. yes, and there's uh, Sam Smith's caterwauling. Uh, I still think. I'm sorry, but cue the music. Yes, absolutely definitely. nailed it. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Absolutely, absolutely. sang it much better than Matt, Sam Smith. Matt was very good, absolutely. and I don't. I think it's just. It's. I've got such high regard for that action scene at the start, right? And then I'm let down with a sort of low-key, you know, not. It's not a powerful no, it's theme not powerful, driving it's, it's it on. Quite, it's quite melodic. It's just is. It, it, it's just very jarring when he go when he sings just the that falsetto high note. Thing. Yeah, it, it doesn't suit the, the song. Titles are very good, though. I like Daniel Clarke's yeah, titles on yeah, this. Yeah, they are very good. The sneaky thing. Yeah, maybe centipedes, millipedes. Is that what it is? For the eyeball. Oh yeah. right, yes, one or the okay. other when it starts. Obviously, the, uh, the octopus, isn't there? It's an octopus, yeah. There's a couple of you know, there's some really nice bits and pieces. There's snow thing and all that sort of stuff, and the the chase. The and, chase with the, the aeroplane and the, uh, the the Land Rover. And the conversation, the conversation between him and Mr. White, and it's almost as though, and I love that opening thing with with uh, the Rome and all that sort oh. of stuff. I think that's the the. 
The stuff with Monica Bellucci is fantastic. Yes, yeah. it is. You know, she, the two she, of them she, together were brilliant. She ought to have been. They, they ought to have kept her in it a lot longer yeah. than that. Less, less is yeah. more. Yeah. Same as with Severin, really. They, they, they cut her part really short, didn't they? She certainly makes an impression. <clears throat> I wonder if there was an occasion. Well, I think there probably was when they've realised. Look, this chase isn't actually doing anything. You know the car chase round oh. round ropes. Not oh. really. Go we're not going. We're not doing anything. I know. Let's have some dialogue in the middle of it, just to yeah. break it up yeah. a bit. And a Sunday driver. To of course. Oh uh, no, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> little old man. Poor old <laughs> sod. A bit of comic relief. Give the, uh, yeah, the, is that, that's a Fiat, isn't it? The beauty of the Fiat. Yeah. Yeah. The slightest contact, and the airbag goes off. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's a number of very good. But I, I I think this is my f this is possibly my favourite. Um, Ray Fiennes, mm. M. Yes, in this really, as well. Yeah, he really. It's, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's M for that very very brief scene, but he really comes into his own in yeah. this one. Well, he's he's not yeah. really M in Skyfall. He's, he's no, Mallory. no, that's true, Mallory. Yeah. Um, where was this? This one, he comes into his own, and I yeah, I agree with Bob. I think he's better in this than he is in No Time to Die. He just it just fits really well. And, and uh, Ben Whishaw's getting bigger part oh, in this as well. He, <laughs> I really love the bit where he says, I really, really hate you. <laughs> he's superb, honestly, he's superb. But honestly, watching him in that film, all I can think of when he talks is Paddington. Paddington, yeah. That's yes. all I can see. Right. He yeah. just needs a blue overcoat and yeah. a red hat. And a marmalade and we're sandwich. we're back to the Queen again. We're back to the Queen oh. again. Yeah, Her Majesty, you see at the end there? You yes. See on the behalf of Her Majesty's yeah. government. It's the only thing that really Special dates Majesty. the film. Yeah. Yeah. 2001. Yeah, it's the only thing that's going to date the movie. Oh, I really need to see if that's a real act and legislation. Well, if anybody would know, my friend, it would be you. Yes, absolutely. But uh, no, I, I like this film. I think it's yes, very good. Yeah. It, I do think it tries too hard to replicate the success of Skyfall. Yeah, I think. And not he, so. It doesn't really succeed. They should have tried to make it its own film. Um, they, I'm they, sure they, we're going to divulge. No, no, no. I'm sure we're going to divulge our thoughts on how they portrayed Spectre within the context of this motion picture. But I don't know. I think they basically wasted it. Yeah. Yes, they, they, they wasted Spectre yeah. and Blofeld. They should have kept Quantum as as the the, 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 the e even organisation yeah. right to the end of yeah. Daniel Craig's yeah. tenure, uh -huh. and then started Spectre yeah. with Newman in twenty six. Yeah, um, it's almost like trying to fit a quart into a pint yeah. pot with this film. Yeah, because obviously the, we all know how what happened with the rights, they obtained them. Oh, scrap Quantum, let's put Spectre in there. And I mm. absolutely agree with Bob. I think they should have made Quantum a bigger deal, made it the Spectre of the Craig era, and then continued with Spectre thereafter. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And not I think even, not tried to link yeah. Blofeld with Bond. No. As a stepbrother. Oh, yeah, that, it's just ridiculous. It's too far, absolutely ridiculous. Far too far. Really, and the whole idea that he's... Again, we, we're, we're, we're understanding <coughs> that... Blofeld, Oberhausen, oh. as he was, has killed his own father oh. because... Because he took Bond, because he took Bond, in. the cuckoo has yeah. come in and taken over the role of son, oh. and his father has, you know, more time to spend with yeah. Bond. Really, this is the reason why we are where we are now. Oh, oh I don't know. If I, I just, I'm not happy with the whole thing and those um, <laughs> photographs, yeah. the pictures. Yeah, you know, looking at it, going. Mm, that's really, really rushed by the looks of things. I uh, think, uh, yeah. overall, superfluous to requirements. And what's yeah. the line that Bond says? Did I overcomplicate the plot? Yes. Um, well, 
Quite possibly. Um, And another thing that was over uh, surplus to requirements is... uh, Thomas Newman's score. Well, well, we, we, we were saying this. I mean, All the way through. Apart from a handful of tracks, it's a carbon copy yeah, of Skyfall, which on its own would have worked perfectly. But I but can't understand where they would have agreed to that. Well, he is contracted to Sam Mendes, right? Yes. They've got this thing. Yeah. And on the strength of that, there's a conversation between the director and the composer. The two of them, obviously Sam Mendes has said, look, we can't do... that. These movies are linked. You know, they're linked. We've got to do something with it. So you can't do an awful lot of changing along the way. They're, th- they're throwing hints at us left, right and centre. Mm, up until you get that point yeah. at the end, you know, where he's walking yeah. through the building and he sees he sees Le Chiffre and he sees the pictures of everybody else. But not Mr Green. Not Mr Green. No, I mean, but, but when you say that, he is featured when Q yes. performs the yes. analysis, yes, DNA analysis for the room. Yes, well, they, his face does come up there. They, they probably just couldn't find a studio photograph like all of the other studio yeah, <laughs> photographs exactly. they found of all the other actors. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, I think it's it's just, it's it's unnecessary to mm. have that, really. I mean, even though the soundtrack is a carbon copy duplication, for me, it has some of the, some of the original cues within the context of the soundtrack are some of the most beautiful. Out of Bullets is one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah. At the very end, I just think it's stunning. No, no, it's, it's a lovely it? melody, isn't it? And in the beginning as well. Yeah. Day of the Dead, yeah. I just think that is superb. It's just everything else that's centred in between. Yeah, it has its, uh, it has its moments. But yeah, it absolutely does. I say it is a bit jarring as well near the end where he gets, where, where Bond gets bagged and tied up and then escapes <laughs> and yet then Blofeld has drawn these arrows for him to follow. Yes. When when was he supposed to have seen this yeah. if if that plan had have gone through, that he was bagged up and tied up? And if the information hadn't got to the driver and they suddenly dropped him at Battersea Dogs yeah, Home, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go, oh, is it the wrong building, yeah. you know, the it's wrong what, bridge? That's what we were saying, Bob. It, uh, it was probably a ploy mm. to make him think he was being kidnapped, only to deliberately let him go. Yeah. Well, who knows? Um, Has anybody ever got out of uh, zip ties that way, by the way? No, they <laughs> not, not without breaking your own I mean, wrists. You would break your wrists. It must have been bought from Poundland. But going to the soundtrack, it's funny, I've said this all along, and I think I said it to you chaps a while back, it's funny, well, I think I think it was yourself, actually, Bob, maybe, but Thomas Newman failed to do in two films what John Barry did throughout his entire Absolutely, tenure. Absolutely, yeah. Every single film that yeah. John Barry scored, it was quintessential Barry. Yeah. yeah. Everyone was completely yeah. polarised. You can recognise each Absolutely. film from each, each exactly. score. And it's crazy, and like you said tonight, John, he never earned an Oscar. No, that's right, yeah. And um, Thomas Newman got one, so... Thomas Newman nominated, Zimmer nominated, yeah. you know... And if you look at old. Newman's... David Arnold not nominated, you know... Oh. Yeah. But look um, at his other work, it's it's sublime. Shawshank Redemption... Yeah. American, American Beauty, Beauty, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, not seen the film. I know the soundtrack yeah. and... Oh, that's Zimmer, yeah. Road to Perdition, what? honestly, the yeah. list goes on. Yes. So yeah. he, he is he's a superb composer, but I just think it could have been more varied. Definitely. I'll ask the question. Should Bond have killed Blofeld on the bridge? I say yes, personally. Um, well, I don't see why he shouldn't have done. Yeah. And the and the basis of the, the entire next movie yeah. is based around that conversation in the train carriage between Bond and Madeline, where she talks about... Yes. And then and then he says... Blofeld says, I visited your father. Yeah. Go, what? Did he? Was that a different occasion? Or does she not remember? She said, I, I don't mm. remember that. 
And then, of course, it turns out that it's your, your man, you know? Yeah, so that but, but, but Blofeld must have visited before yeah, yeah. um, Safin visited. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I like I do, I do like it. I, I like the last... I, I do like the end... The end set. I, th- I think MI6, he killed him. Yeah. MI six blowing up. That did, that did look very good. That it did, did. look good. Yeah. <clears throat> it would have taken the film in a very different direction if he'd have killed him. Yeah. Cold blood would have been an understatement. I think, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't think he should have killed him, but I think he shouldn't have. I don't think he should have just walked away either. There should have been some some middle ground as far as. Thing I'm is as well, what we know, what happened with him. During No Time to Die, MI6 haven't done anything with him whatsoever while they've No, just got sat him, him in prison. They've just yeah. sat him to prison. They haven't, they haven't used him for anything. Got, uh, didn't seem as though they've got any information out of him. I mean, unless they have <coughs> between films, and that's for the viewer to... Didn't count his eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many eyes have you got? Just the one. Right you are. As obvious Hang on! As, <laughs> as obvious as Columbo's glass eye. Aye, aye, he wants his glasses. What's going on here? Yeah. yeah, it would have been an interesting choice if they'd have killed him on the bridge, but I don't know. I like it in the context of the film, yeah. and it's very interesting to deliberate. Yeah. Um, and basically, he left him for M, didn't he? Yeah, they left him for him too. And then M goes and does that. I think, got to mention Hinks, I think he's brilliant. I think he's brilliant in this film. I think he's a great henchman, and you certainly that fight on the train. It is very good. Fight. I tell you, I mean, I mean, we all know it doesn't utilise any music, and it doesn't have to. It makes it more realistic. But what I can't understand is there's people on the train, and as soon as the fight <laughs> yeah, breaks there's out, nobody there's there. nobody on the train. No, they're not. They're not daft, are they? But, uh, and also the fact that the the entire train just collapses around them. Well, yeah, it's crashing through the furniture. Everything's falling to bits. Made you try and do that on a train yeah. nowadays. Made in China. <laughs> Made in China. <laughs> um, <laughs> or is it? Uh, do it yourself, Kit. But um, but of course no, you, the, feel, you feel every punch. Oh that's Jesus! For sure. Yeah, oh, it's, a, no, it's a good fight. That's uh, uh, Olivier Schneider. He's the fight uh, fight choreographer mm. on this, uh, and does a cracking job with that. The train, of course, as, as, as I, I pointed out to you, it's a CGI train. Yeah. You know, and it's it's very very clever. And the other thing I thought was particularly good, I, I mentioned this at the end as well. But the um, once they're picked up by the Rolls Royce Silver Wraith, and they drive off and they are in the back of the car, the external shot is a model shot as they're driving away. And it looks really good. It's only this evening... Again, I haven't seen this film for Christ knows how long. I don't, I don't even... Th- I don't know how many times I saw it at the picture. Probably twice, three times, maybe? Mm. Something like that. But this evening, I've spotted that it's a model going away. It's, and again, it's absolutely brilliant. It's a really, really clever <laughs> model. Well, but, again, it's what I was saying to you, John. There's the scene when the whole complex explodes just as the helicopter's flying away yeah. you can spot two Land Rovers, two Land Rovers. driving it. away from the complex which obviously yeah. must be Blofeld and I never noticed that before on the small screen and in the big screen well, but, did, does, Was the complex built full size or was that all a model or what? No, no, that was that was that particular section I think was built full size the remainder of it was green screen a lot of it, mm. but that section when they come out, he's shooting all the guards oh, and then he got the, onto the top The, 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 the main complex, because yeah. he'd got the world record the world the explosion. record explosion now even just though, imagine even though they are standing in front of <laughs> standing it standing in front of it just imagine if they didn't quite get yeah. the lines right at the same oh don't bugger sorry again can we go again what do you mean no I've blown the whole thing up there's half the budget missing there but uh, i think um i quite like bond's choice of clothing in this mm. that that black suit and the long black jacket at the funeral is nice. gorgeous yeah 
Yeah, because it's that three-piece black suit. It's isn't the it? three-piece suit. I like that. Absolutely stunning. I quite like that uh, jacket that he's wearing out in the uh, in the desert. Oh God, that with the brown tan knitted tie. That's delicious. Yes, looking good there. Even the suit at the beginning in Mexico is really nice. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's well tailored. I must admit, that's Tom Ford. Is it Tom mm, Ford? I think it is, yeah. Except the the suit in the opening scene is a little bit too tight for him. Yeah. Well, Whereas Skyfall, God, the suits in that were. Bang on. Yeah, mm. pretty good. Um, the right fit, I mean, rather than the actual aesthetic look. I think colour. the slightly underused Christoph Waltz for the main villain. Yeah. They could have done quite a lot more with him. He was eating at the furniture for yeah. a lot yeah. of that, wasn't he? He, you does, know? he does get criticised in this film. But loving it. The thing is, you can only you can only work with what script you have, and well, he, made, right. he made the best of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with Bob though. He was under underused. Certainly not utilised to his peak. And then, well, no time to die. I mean, crikey. You know, he's in it for five seconds, Mm. blink and you miss it. But, yeah, yeah, for an actor as good as him, his pedigree... The Oscar-winning lot. Was he Oscar-winning by that time? He was, he was. He was by that time. Inglorious Bleep. Oh, of course he was, Um, yeah. And I think Django Unchained as well. Yeah. Right. He was underutilised, at least. I mean, when you consider how good he was in Inglorious... Yeah. And then you th- when, when he was announced, I thought, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But then it just it didn't really pack a punch. No. But that's not his fault. That's the script writing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a very strange torture scene, though. Mm. Uh, the, uh, What's he I mean, trying to gain? Uh, exactly. It's just... he's, well, he's trying to stop him memorising things. But I have heard a rumour. Shoot him! <laughs> I have heard a rumour that Bond 26 might start from that point in time. What, where Bobby Ewing gets out of the shower? Yeah. No, that he's, he's, he's been tortured and then he's got amnesia. We've been bloody tortured! <laughs> Never mind him! Oh. I'm sick to damn up to here with it! With what? This! Fucking... Oh, it's... He's ha- dead, you know. You're not, ah! you're not happy, John. No! Bollocks to it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not. That's what I'm saying. So, Bond 26 could start from him being in hospital after this torture scene. Inspector. Eh? Inspector. Yes. The torture scene, Inspector, and all of No Time to Die was a dream. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was in hospital. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that, Bubbert. Oh. Can you feel the contempt from John oh, listeners? Dear oh Just Lord. A bit. I Just can. a bit. Just a touch. <laughs> I've it's never, been, a, never it's been a very tricky couple never, of hours. <laughs> never seen you so incredulous in all my life, John. Oh, my oh, goodness. Um, well, I th- you could, for, for those of a certain age, you will remember that there was... The series, and when I say people of a certain age, I mean people who are my age and older, um, who remember Dallas. And Dallas, as I refer there, that was the situation. There was in, was it an entire season. Yeah, it was an entire season, which evidently was based around a dream sequence where Bobby Ewing was dead. Yes, yeah, Priscilla Presley was written out of it. Priscilla Presley was written out of it, and then all of a sudden, hang on, she wakes up and the shower's going, and she walks into the shower, and he's in the shower. Da-da! It's all right, we've got a plan for this, it's fine. Everything was a dream. No, that, was okay. Pam, that was Pam Ewing. Bought. Pam Ewing, or whatever he was Victoria called. Victoria Principal. Pamela, Pamela Ewing. See, 
we were talking him. about this before, Bob, but it's a very interesting concept, but yeah. I think if they go down that road, they will kill the franchise. They can't dead. go down Stone that road, they've surely. Got to, they've got to deal with it somehow. They deal with it by, by starting afresh. They have to start a fresh new actor before before he's a double O again. No, 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 no. We've done all that. I know We've done that. all that. We've done. New actor in the field, uh, an established double O yeah. with a number of missions under his belt, yeah. and it's a, it's a clean slate. New new mission, new job, new this, new that, everything. So how will so how will you feel if Ray Fiennes turns up as that? I'll be fucking mortified. <laughs> it's a different timeline, you bastards. You can't just keep throwing the same actors in because they're good at the box office. Why don't you learn? So, but, but, oh. but surely, John, they wouldn't. Do oh, Judy Dent. Oh, thank mind. you. Never mind. Um, I've got <laughs> absolutely no issue with Judy in the Pierces. Beautiful. Yes, fabulous. What if they start the Perfect. new one? The new actor and Judy Dent. <laughs> I'll get up and walk out before the bloody thing started. It's too confusing for certain individuals. There's people in this world, there are Bond fans in this world that go, Oh, it's all right, just let it wash over you. I can't let it wash over me. I've spent 40 bastard years loving this character, and now you're going to tell me that all of the actors can just go back no. to their roles with a new actor? They, as they, have, they have made a mess for themselves, they really have. Ooh, particularly, particularly now, again, and I understand that people are going, Well, hang on, there was a, there was a different M. In, in the Roger Moore films, and uh, there was a different. That's okay. That that M, as we know, one M dies or moves on, another M takes over. We're 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 happy with that, and the fact that Robert Brown was a different character in uh, in Spy Who Loved Me. Well, then I, he, you know, becomes the same character. I, I think Hargreaves is M. I'm pretty be convinced. H, then. You, you could get out of this car in a minute <laughs> if you're going to keep this up. But I, you know, I, I don't have an issue with that. And he gets a promotion and becomes Bond's boss. That's what yes, it's feasible. Yeah, that's feasible. Yeah. But, but then you've so, got to ask, well, how did Hilary Bray then suddenly? <laughs> Join the Navy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but let's not, let's, let's not let's not delve into it too let's deeply. Let's not delve too deeply. Yes. And hopefully the <laughs> well, Eon. How, well, also, how did Henderson go on to be Blofeld? Well, true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was the Russian doorman. <laughs> <laughs> True. Amongst certain other oh, things, same the same Russian doorman. I get it from the Russian doorman. Do you really? <laughs> I wondered why there was a perk in your step and your wooden leg. I'm glad you got it right. So, yeah, I think there's a number of questions to ask. On the whole, Spectre's quite entertaining if you yes, don't delve yes, into it. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> if you let it wash over you, you go, it's all right, You, you have got to so, let a, a lot wash over you with yeah. it, but it is. It is an entertaining film. It is. No, it is. I think, to sum it up, <clears throat> this entire franchise, to quote our egregious friends oh, across the pond... Oh, dear. Honestly, I think they are right in this regard, and to the listeners, if you're not sure to what I'm referring. It's yeah. from Rewatch With Love, um, a podcast where they seem to get the character names wrong on many occasions. <laughs> and they never correct themselves. Well, no. eventually, about 20 episodes later, but anyway... No, the, the, there's, the nothing quite, uh, uh, there's nothing quite like Ernst Stavro Blofield. Blofield. <laughs> or Colonel Gogo. Colonel Gogo! But, uh, but no, no, the, th the thing is, they are bang on with this. You cannot look at the Bond film franchise in terms of continuity. If you if you try and go from one, apart from maybe the Connery films early on, if you try and go through each film in a continuous thread, as it were, it it will drive you crazy. Yeah, it won't, it won't work. You know, for me, I take each film on its own merits, apart from the Odd Couple, which references the one before. The Odd Couple wasn't a Bond movie. Yeah, you can't let continuity 
get in the way because it's just not going to work. This is where uh, uh, this is where us uh, certain individuals with OCD are really kicking themselves, going, "We need continuity. I want continuity." Well, hopefully they'll they'll sort that out along the way. But um, on the whole, Spectre. Yes. Out of yeah. ten, fellas, what's the score out of ten, eight, Bobbo? Eight and a half. Eight and a half for Bobbo. Ooh, I would say a strong... I'm going to say strong seven and a half. Ooh. I would say it was spectacular. Oh, <laughs> dear Lord. Despite the repetitive <sighs> musical score. Yeah, yes. yeah it, and, it was. It was and, very... And the, the hint of jaundice. It was spectacular. Right, well, uh, I'll give it a 007 as well, uh, possibly on the strength of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've enjoyed that. Mm, oh. very... I just wish that could have been it. Really? No, I look forward to your company uh, next week. <laughs> behave yourself. Um, you know your call. I think that end scene where they drive off together should have been it. Yes, it's your for Craig. We anyway. didn't. We yeah. didn't need another movie. Yeah. I don't think we needed. We could have done it there, and that would have been oh. it. Well, well, all, all, all down to Ms. Broccoli. Ms. Well, from what Barbara Craig says, I mean, obviously, we all know his sentiments at the time. We're not going to retread old ground, but I think, as far as he was concerned, sincerely though, now. That was it. He was done. You know, they drive off into the sunset. Well, that's his, that's his was, story it told. Was, it was a good ending yeah. to his tenure. And plus and the fact, evidently, he hated it from day one. Well, <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> how many more of these have I got to do? I think comparing the ending to this film and, of course, the next instalment, I know which ending I'd rather. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. I'll leave it on that note for me. Right. But well, you, there we are. Then. Wouldn't have doo doo. No. <laughs> the whole screen <laughs> smeared with doo-doo. I do like a bit of doo-doo. Who don't? Um, Who don't like a bit of doo-doo? Um, so, on that note, that's the three of us signing off from the Odeon at Derby. Probably uh, for the last time. Possibly for the last time, yes. This is Kate AD, Odeon Derby, handing over to whoever's next. My name is uh, Dr. Madeline Swan. Our job today is to analyse your needs, both psychological and physical. Sounds pretty straightforward. I hope you don't mind. The view can be distracting. I hadn't noticed. I see you filled out most of the paperwork. Just a few questions to complete your evaluation, if I may. Do you exercise? When I have to. Do you consider your employment to be psychologically stressful? Sometimes. How much alcohol do you consume? Too much. Some broader questions. As a child, would you say you were close to your parents? My parents died when I was young. Really? How old? Old enough to remember. How, if I may ask? It was a climbing accident. So who brought you up? Someone else. Humor me. How does one train at Oxford and the Sorbonne, become a consultant, spend two years with Médecins Sans Frontières, and end up here? Forgive me, but anyone might think you're hiding from something. You're paying a lot of money to be here, Mr. Bond. Who's asking the questions? You or me? Of course. Carry on. I see you left this final question blank. What is your occupation? Well, that's not the sort of thing that looks good on a form. And why is that? I kill people. It's my world, then. Where is he? Your father's dead. Two days ago. How do you know? Because I was there. <laughs>
Did you kill him? I didn't have to. He did it himself. And you came all the way just to tell me this? That my father's dead? I came to tell you that your life is in danger and I need your help. Why? I made a deal with him to protect you. You're lying. Why would he trust you? Because he knew that I needed something in return. And what was that? To find American. This interview is over. Dr. Swan. You have ten minutes to leave the building. Then I'm calling security. Thank you, Dr. Swan. Yet again, we've run out of time to cover this Bond film. So please return for Spectre on the big screen, part two. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.